Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Remember, you don't deserve shit. You need things and you want things, but you don't deserve them. I'm not sure if you need things was supposed to be in that, but I read it anyway. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend Andrew, who is drinking what? Some <laughs> my- sort of mystery beer? My third beer of the day. <laughs> okay. So I was very thoughtful to get a 4% and a 4%. And now I'm ending in a, in a 12%. It's uh, Even More Jesus from Evil Twin. I've become a, a little enamored with them. I should have probably chased them to advertise and then become enamored. But there I mean, it's we just go. Good. It's, you know. You know, we don't do a whole lot of beer advertisements. I know. Like we had a, I know you guys had a beer sponsor back when Matt was on the show, but I don't think we've had one since then. We had a, we had a healthy drink sponsor. Mm. We had the, what were they called? Rebels. Rebels. More free advertising for Rebels. <laughs> 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 they were pretty good though, and it was pretty dope that they sent us a bunch. Um, and it was also pretty dope that I just happened to be in New York City when those when came they in. arrived because i actually got to drink some usually you get the drinks and i just am sitting here all across <laughs> the country with no drinks not so. only did you get to drink them you <laughs> had to drink most of them and the best ones <laughs> i did well yeah i did drink a good few of them but hey i'm one of those weirdos who drinks kale juice what do you expect mm, that's right <laughs> <laughs> actually they're um, still in our fridge now they're, they're they're not good they're they're bad at this point but they're still you in there. still have them we have some remaining ones that yeah <laughs> I'll leave them there for when you arrive <laughs> in okay. case you want to taste. Uh, we'll see. I'll look at the expiration date on those. Hmm. I think I have like a tiny bit of my cider left, but that's it. I drank the tea. The tea is gone and I don't have any hipster kale juice because I've been glued to this chair for the past three hours <laughs> doing episodes. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's the way of Fridays. And emergency college info geek things. And yeah, freaking out over stats. That is always a thing. Oh my God, are the stats, okay, stats Stats are are online. Are the stats good? (laughs) How many stats are there? (laughs) The stats are offline, abort. Dear listener, I want you to paint a mental picture in your head of Andrew with a beard wearing sandals coming down off of a mountain holding two stone tablets because today... We are going through the 10 real estate investor commandments. Mm. And it is only fitting that I am drinking even more Jesus. Even more Jesus. (laughs) Anyway, um, we need more catchphrases Mm. because we can't just keep. Yeah, you're right. uh, We can't beekeep. Beekeep. Why am I keep saying beekeep? I'm going to become a beekeeper. This is Thomas (laughs) after one beer. (laughs) This is a buzz with Thomas. We can't keep relying on our friend Eric at Lake of the Ozarks for catchphrases. We need them from you. So tweet us at Money Matters Man on Twitter or email us. Listen, Money Matters at gmail.com. We need your clever catchphrases so we can keep doing these shows. I'll tell can't you, have a show without a catchphrase. I will tell you what. I reply to 100% of emails that have good catchphrases in them. Like a true <laughs> story. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's a pretty mm. good rate there. Depending on how many good catchphrases we get. You know, if it's like four, then I'm not impressed. (laughs) Anyway, Andrew slash Moses, what are our commandments here for real estate investors? So I want to dribble them out slowly. But essentially, um, 
we at the very very beginning of the podcast we came up with the the 10 investor average investor commandments because we think you should be an average investor um after doing all this real estate stuff and being that it's real estate month i think that it was important to come up with 10 things uh that are important that you should follow to be successful because there's a million ways to be successful in real estate but you got to stay true to these 10 things yeah cool so the first one have says a, here go. have a strategy yeah so there are flippers there are cash flow investors there are people who invest uh, in like really expensive markets like Oakland, California for appreciation. And, you know, it works for some people, but you need to have a strategy. And if you're all mm-hmm. over the place, uh, you're, you're not going to do well because you're not going to learn enough over time mm-hmm. um, to refine your strategy, find your niche, all that stuff. Ooh, and strategy can go beyond just like I'm going to flip or I'm going to be a burger guy, or I'm just going to, you know, live off the rental and then invest in more rentals. Like you can get niche in the types of properties that you focus on. Like we had one guy on the show last year. Um, he exclusively, uh, invests in mobile home parks. Mm. And like, I think, I think he just buys the land, right? Yeah. He buys the land. He does the hookups for, you know, water and, and sewer and all that stuff. And you know, you do enough of that. And you can optimize what you're doing. You yeah. understand the value, the deal. Like, and I think that's the gist of it. You just got to get good at something. One thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So, I mean, that's a pretty simple first one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is to know your requirements. So, um, it's really easy when you're buying a home to live in. And you're like, I will only get a place up to a max of 350000 and then mm. it's the real estate agent's job to show you only places above 350000 right? Because okay. they're trying to whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, there are a million homes and this is an investment and you have to have your requirements that you buy at. So this is what the cash flow percentage needs to be. This is what you know average appreciation in this area needs to be. Whatever those requirements are, you have to set that as a threshold uh, and then you can invest less. Yeah. And this is important because when you're an investor, you're the one looking at those deals all day. Mm. Like you're the one driving around looking for houses for sale or going through Roofstock or you know, whatever. Where do people usually look for houses before Roofstock was a thing? I guess MLS or they'd go to their like That's real what estate it is. agents and yeah. MLS. Yeah. That thing, which I forget what's that called. What's that called? Or what's that stand for? A uh, multi-listing service, I think is That's what it right. stands for. And don't you have to have some sort of like qualification or something to access that? Yeah. So I think you have to be like a real estate agent or broker. Um, okay. But I, I don't really know. There's probably some way to get that qualification so you could look, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. Which I'm curious. I mean, I know you have used Roofstock for two and then you used, um, what was it? Nashville? A, a guy named Bill. A guy named Bill. That's a pretty legit business there. Yeah. For your, God, for your was, third one. I was really shrewd I, with the first one. <laughs> I mean, for future ones, like, are you planning on just using Roofstock yourself or would it be prudent to actually get some sort of access to MLS so you had a greater variety of deals to look for and hence more chance of meeting your requirements? 
So Laura and I went through our freeze of me quitting our, my job, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so we're already starting the talks. Um, one, I think that we're going to try outside Atlanta because we want to, this is one of our commandments. I won't spoil it. But like uh, we, we may look for uh, something on MLS. I, I think that we're open and we're, we're pretty much just exploring right now. Okay. And how, do you, how will you look on MLS? Like, are you going to try to get some sort of broker license or are you going to just talk to somebody who has access to it? So uh, it, it'll certainly be a lot more work, but I think I would try and find a partner in one of the oh, okay. markets where that they would give me enough TLC, know my requirements and like feed me deals. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, beyond just like the cost of the house, what other requirements should people be keeping in mind? Um, whether it's the, the age of the home and, you know, the, the amount of work necessary, uh, or how much reserve or that they hold aside or, or the vacancy rate, um, mm -hmm. that they're willing to, I, I think it's, uh, for example, uh, or, or you know, even, uh, the property taxes in some places may be insane or like no homeowners associations. So I don't have to contest mm -hmm. with. An authoritative body, whether they can rent or the renters qualify. Um, I was thinking like, you know, crime rates and like the quality of the neighborhood as well. Like mm. what's your kind of risk profile with regard to those things? And you, you could even niche further in that like you really are only aiming for families uh, with, with mm. the thought that they will stay. Oh, yeah. Or like Allison does. Or no, Allison does like college students. Like college students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I actually, I know, I know someone who does that as well. And that, you know, like places like where you've lived, uh, I have a buddy who's looking in Pennsylvania near Lehigh, uh, and that's like a whole separate niche, but then, you know, like school scores don't really matter cause they're going to college. Yeah. Um, but the thing is like, you have to kind of know what you're doing and just stick to that, I guess. Gotcha. I just realized I called you the Moses here. Mm. Yeah, I was but slightly uncomfortable these. with that. <laughs> I've been saying these. You're not saying them. Yeah. So, so you're I'm, really, and I have a beard. You're the John Smith, or as they say in the folklore, the Thomas Frank. That is what they say in the folklore, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So the uh, third commandment here is to do your own research. Though I don't know about this one, Andrew. Because <laughs> I heard this guy named Bill actually has some sick deals, some psycho deals, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were definitely psycho deals. I uh, Look, whether it's Bill or it's Roofstock or whoever you're getting the property from, um, you, you just got to do your own research. Like You have to uh, – you, you could look at the who you're buying it from. You could look at – it's – public information who currently owns a property is it an mm -hmm. llc is it a person how long have they owned it for you know what they buy it for um you have to dig in because no one's going to care more than you so why would you want to know if an llc owns it versus a person like what useful information does that yield to you well i i'm always curious so uh why would they be selling it Right. And if it's another mm. person running a rental business and it looks great, maybe it's not that great. Or maybe there's some impending oh, okay. costs they're dodging. Um, so you can sort of get a gauge on incentives and 
you know, reasons, ulterior motives and things like that. To, to lead into the next one, um, I'm, I'm forever skeptical. And that's commandment number four. Be skeptical and don't speculate. You know, uh, I, I don't think that there is such thing as a good deal. I think it's like so rare that you'd find a good deal. And so good deals essentially imply something that is unappealing that other people want. Hmm. Because, you know, if a, if a home is worth eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000, the person selling it is incentivized to get the maximum amount of their investment. So if they're yeah. selling at a discount, there is a reason. And mm-hmm. I think that you should be curious as to why. So on the skeptical end and on the speculative end, uh, you know, you could be like, oh, my God, home prices are skyrocketing in Oakland, California. Right now, it's like a million dollars per hundred square feet. Uh, like I, Maybe it's going to two. You're just trying to predict the future. You're being yeah. ridiculous. You have to go by numbers and not make ridiculous assumptions. I had this friend in college who was always talking about like this new stock mm, that was going to go to the moon. And of course he never invested in those stocks. Hmm. And I would always be like, why, why aren't you invested in that stock? You know, it's a $7 commission on Scott trade or whatever back then. Mm. Now it's free because you got Robin hood. You know, why don't you have that? Mm, you know, <laughs> gotta ask these questions. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so commandment number five from your Moses Smith Frank of mm-hmm. lore. There's safety in cash flow. Look, now, this seems to me like it just more of an obvious thing than a commandment. Like, sometimes the commandments have to be obvious. What, what real estate investors are like okay with not cash flow? There are some people who buy speculative properties with the hopes that they will increase in value and they they eat negative cash flow. Okay, so you're saying like, I'm going to buy this dilapidated house because I think in 10 years, it's or you know, maybe a year or so, um, a Starbucks is going to open and the value is going to go through the roof. You know, in Hoboken, where I I live, like the majority of the purchases at this point, like have to be... uh, based on appreciation because the values are such like I, I couldn't imagine there was a property on the market right now that you'd be positive cash flow in. It's just it's insane. Okay. So what you're saying is like there's safety in cash flow and it's worth stating because there are other opportunities out there that are tempting but risky. Look that could be like a money pit. Yeah. And, and you know maybe never pay off. I, I think that like as we talk about this stuff, we skew really hard towards cash flow because that's my personal preference. But appreciation is a legitimate strategy. A lot of people make a lot of money off of that. But if, say, you plan to sell it in three years and it winds up taking six years, if it is not like a, a parasite on your finances, maybe a cash flow is like plus $5 and it's just, just kind of whatever. It's it's zero. Like at it's least- It's not a drain. Yeah. And so um, if you were to go towards the risk end of the spectrum, it'd be full appreciation. And like the lowest risk, I would say, would be a full cash flow situation. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So I like this next one. Hmm. This next one seems like it needs to be said. Commandment number six, negotiate everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be a pain in the ass. That's what it should say. That's like me incarnate. 
everything. I, I want it. Like it's it, you have to concede on something. The price has to go down. You have to be able to walk away. God, I I love doing that like walk away thing yeah. where it's like ah screw it like we're not doing it. So I guess the uh, the two questions that come up is like what exactly do you negotiate on during a deal, and how do you do it effectively? So uh, you can negotiate everything. I mean, uh, the most obvious thing is price of yeah. purchase. But uh, there's a bunch of things that you could have them do or concede on, which essentially lowers the price. And uh, I, I've been talking about Neil a lot this month, so I'll, I'll just bring him up again. He uh, Psycho Deal Neil. Psycho Deal Neil. He is buying a property that has a septic tank because um, it's kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the septic tank wasn't is insanely full. Like, where the the appraiser was like, "Holy shit, this is a full septic tank!" And he was like, "You got to clean out your own shit, literally." <laughs> <laughs> and so, part of the deal is they have to clean out the shit from the septic tank, and they okay. go buy it. So he just doesn't want to deal with that, right? And yeah. these are things that you know maybe it costs a hundred, two hundred. Granted, you save that, but also the hassle. And so you just have to kind of, if they won't budge on price, you could perhaps then make them do things. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like you can do that at a car dealership too. So. Oh, absolutely. Just like, I, actually, when I bought my car, I remember like, uh, I think like the like the battery was dirty or like like one little thing with the engine. I think like the 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 um the nuts on the battery were like a little rusty or something. And I was like, I want new nuts. Yeah, why not? And like a new battery. They'll do it. At the same price. Like, and they did it. You know, I mean, it's like 50 bucks. So mm. it's not like I'm some negotiating master there. But I think a lot of people would be like, oh, that's probably fine. And, you know, buy it anyway. So without without being like a super asshole, you should try and get as much ground as you can. I mean, it's your duty. To yeah. So how do you do it without being a super asshole? Uh, so the, there's a lot of things like, you know, uh, they have like, um, articles on like, this is how you be a good manager. Uh, you, you le- you start with the critical feedback and then you end with good feedback. So or, Wait, or, or, you the sa- way. Or, or whatever, or you, or you sandwich it, you say a good thing, you say a bad thing. I don't, you know, say, a, I don't know if you're a good manager. I'm just imagining like people who work for us now, like they, they do something and you start with like, this is shit. Then again, Steve Jobs did that. So yeah, this is shit. But your smile, awesome. Like Keep every smiling. time somebody does work for me, like when Ashley does graphics for me, or Kayla does work, or like you know Roxanne's doing an article now for me, um, I'm like, all right, I must say the good things first mm. because they did a lot of work here. They put in a lot of work, <laughs> and they are proud of it. And I need to show that I appreciate that. And then I'll talk about so, what needs to be improved. I think you're right. Not start in with the the nitpicks. So, so I, th- I think you're actually right. And, you know, that that's a way to start it. Like, love the house, could totally see it as an addition to our, our, our rental property portfolio. Or, you know, if you're living it out, we would love to live there. The only thing is that the windows are mm. insanely old and the counterbalance is broken. So I'm going to slice my fingers off. And I can't live in a house without fingers. So uh, I'm going to need to replace <laughs> these and you're going to pay for them. You know, be a drama queen. <laughs> I do think the ordering matters, though. Yeah. But- uh, I remember reading a, a study about the halo effect where, like, people's first impressions kind of will color 
additional information they get. And they did a study with, um, with, I think it was psychology students where they were like, all right, we want you to, we're going to tell you like six character traits of this person. And like the first one was like, this person's hardworking, steadfast, loyal, um, like envious and greedy. And then another group, they got a same description, but it was flipped. So it was like, this person is greedy, envious, but they're also loyal and hardworking. And people's impressions of the first person were so much better because that initial like first quality they saw is what created the initial picture in their minds. Mm. So if you can kind of create this perception that like, oh, you're in, you're really interested in the deal and now they have to work to get it, they're probably going to be willing to maybe concede on a few things. Whereas if they feel like you're just nitpicking from the start, they're probably going to think like you're not going to buy in the first place. I don't even want to deal with this guy. Look, like – you know, people uh, will sell to uh, people that they like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, this is number seven. Hmm. Get a property management company. Look. And I hardly agree because I don't want to do work. So besides the fact, look, prop, managing a property is thankless, shitty work. And I'm sorry, but that's true. And when you have a rental property, the cost for this work is so cheap. They, they yeah. market your property for you. They they deal with the tenants when the tenants crying or angry or whatever. They get that. They absorb all that, and it's their job to be professional and handle all that. And then they convey it to you. And then when they convey it to you, and you get angry and whatever and blah blah blah, they absorb all that and they convey yeah. it, you know, appropriately to uh, the contractors. And so here's this person who is essentially doing this work that uh, it's not worth your time. Spend time with your family yeah. or something. The time thing is the big thing. Like, I mean, if you're if you're buying real estate properties, you probably want time. Like, that's probably the original goal, right? Your your ultimate goal is to buy time. Properties, yeah, that give you time because you're no longer trading your hours for dollars. Exactly. And this is something that, like, beyond real estate investing, um, you, I feel like the some people in the fire community go too far with this where they're like, I'm going to sacrifice literally everything now. So at some point in the future, I can re- retire and have all my time. Mm. And I, it's like enshrined in the, this, the smart passive income uh, podcasts intro. Like it's all about putting in the hard work now so you can reap the benefits later. But I feel like you have to strike a balance there. Yeah. You know, in your work and in your personal life, and especially, you know, in this as well. How much get can a property you compromise? management company? Exactly. Plus, if you're not stuck de- uh, dealing with, you know, a broken light bulb or something, then you have time to research new deals mm. or you have time to go do whatever it is that you do for work that probably generates more money so you could buy another house sooner. And you know what? If you worked all day and you did all this awesome stuff, you know, and you're trying to, uh, get a promotion at work or build a business or whatever and there's a light bulb broken in a rental property, your time is probably better spent relaxing and watching Netflix yeah. than going out there and changing the bulb. Because you, if your mental state becomes in like some perilous situation, it's all going to fall like apart. Like imagine if if Andrew was like not 
if he didn't have a, a property management company and he had to go change a light bulb and have his tenants yell at him this morning and now we're on this podcast and <laughs> you're just like in a sour mood and no one wanted to listen. Seriously. Yeah. It's like, you know why I'm drinking a sour beer? Because I'm <laughs> sour. <laughs> Here's some salt for your sour beer. <laughs> well, salt is good in a margarita. Mm. I have discovered that I used to not be a margarita person, but I'd really like margaritas when they put like some spicy stuff in it. Oh my God. I'm going to try and convince Laura to do that with me tonight. It's good. Mm. Yeah. Dude, when I come to New York, uh, we're going to go get some spicy margs. Damn right, dude. Yeah, I'll find a good place. All right. Hell yeah. Commandment number eight. Understand your neighborhoods. Search economy of X. Well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, that that was like a note thing. Oh, but a so, note. I thought it was just a dash that got... So, uh, here's like a really cool tip. So first, understand your neighborhoods. You want to understand your neighborhood? Go to Google and search economy of North Carolina, economy of Atlanta. And actually the mm-hmm. one, if you search economy of Atlanta, is awesome. First of all, there's a Wikipedia article for almost all of them. And they'll tell you the top employers, the, the, you know, the average oh. income. They'll, be, they'll give you all the details about the place because gotcha. at the end of the day – an awesome property that's a sick deal in the middle of a volcano is still in the middle of a volcano. It has to be, there has to be jobs. If there's one employer, you know, and it's, I don't know, United Airlines, well, then you're probably screwed. <laughs> On that note, Andrew, I have actually this really sick psycho deal, real estate property deal that I want to tell you about. Uh, just this house in a little town called Gary, Indiana. Nice old place. Um, just buy it. No need to go on Google Maps and look at the streets there. No need to do that. Is it is it a hot area? <laughs> it's a very hot area. <laughs> is there a volcano? <laughs> There's not a volcano, but do you know about Gary, no. Indiana? No. Oh, it's like basically I, I'm like really afraid of like offending somebody who might live in Gary, mm. but I was on Reddit the other day and there was a, it was an ask credit thread that was like, what city lives up to its bad reputation? And like, some people were like, I don't know, like, like war zones in other countries or something. But mm-hmm. like people were like, yeah, my, my city's literally a war zone. Uh, and then the top rated one for America was Gary, Indiana. And I was like, Indiana, like what, what could be in Indiana? That's like that bad. But apparently it's like pretty close to Chicago. Hmm. And I don't know what happened, but if you look at the streets, there, like, Oh my god, a dude. A ton of the buildings like boarded up, like broken if you, windows. If you search Gary Space Indiana, the second result in Google is Gary, comma Indiana is a serial killer's playground. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's right there. The the two below that is If you look go to the images tab. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, so like fun. It, it looks pretty bad. Yeah, that looks pretty bad. Though I, there were some people who were saying like it's getting better in certain areas, so I think maybe it's just like certain areas of the city are still kind of highlighted. Mm. But I don't know. Bad. Yeah. Anyway, you want to buy a house? I guess so, it yes. doesn't have windows, but that's fine. Don't buy in Gary, Indiana, <laughs> even if it comes up on the psycho deal uh, filter. <laughs> <laughs> Commandment eight point five. Haunted post office, Gary, Indiana. There you go. Yeah. Know your, know your neighborhood. Mm. All right. Uh, also, commandment number nine, diversify your neighborhoods. You know, um, if you 
if you live in Gary, Indiana, and you work in Gary, Indiana, and your rental properties are in Gary, Indiana, uh, it's probably a bad sign because if something happens to Gary, Indiana, then yeah. you're screwed. Or, uh, I mean, like here's here's a good example that uh, people will probably recognize a little better. Um, say you have bought a bunch of rentals in Flint, Michigan. Mm. Like one decision from the city council to change water sources completely screwed that town over. Yeah. You know, and obviously it's a horrible situation, but from the perspective of an investor, like if you have a bunch of investment properties there, their value probably tanks overnight. So as we talk about it, diversifying your investment portfolio, your real estate investment portfolio also applies. You may love your management company, you may love the area, but there, you know, there's certain concentration of employers and blah blah blah. You have to spread out because it's just the smart thing to do. How yeah. many should you have in one area? That's up to you. Um, but you should absolutely diversify. And you're in you're somewhere else in Indiana, right? You so, have Indianapolis. Yeah, you have yeah, one so, near Indianapolis and then two near Atlanta. In terms of property, I have two in the outskirts of Atlanta, different places though, because mm-hmm. they're all like suburbs. One in yeah. Indianapolis and then in Hoboken. And I think our next one, we're, we're thinking Ohio-ish, not, not sure. We're still doing our research. Okay, cool. So yeah, you are practicing what you preach. Mm. And the last commandment here is to leverage responsibly. Now... I understand leverage from the point of view of stock uh, investing. So let's see, like with leveraging, I'm guessing like you're, does that mean you're like, you're applying your cash flow to new properties? Is that what you're talking about? So when you get a new property, you're probably getting a mortgage. In fact, we, we recommend you get a mortgage because it'll mm-hmm. dramatically improve your cash flow. And, um, Depending on your income and, and how many how much you have saved, you could have an insane amount of mortgages, which is fine as long as you don't leverage yourself into a point where you're going to destroy everything you've built, right? Mm. Um, the the banks, I think, like they have like debt to income ratios or debt to equity ratios of they'll let you go up to like almost fifty percent, which is probably a really bad spot to be in. Yeah. You know, and I I guess the point is just because they'll give you the mortgage and just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should. You should be responsible in that if this is your first property and your only property, uh, if it's empty, can you cover the mortgage while, you know, you're looking for a tenant and you have 10 properties? Can your basket of 10 properties cover vacancies and how many Mm -hmm. can be vacant at a certain time? And you, you have to understand the potential for failure and you can't allow a failure of over leverage to take and wipe out everything that you have because it can. Yep. Be wary. Slow and steady wins the race. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought you would have had more than three by now, but well, I suppose with you quitting your job, it makes sense that you've kind of put the brakes on a little bit. One of the, so we could, we could actually like do like three or four at this moment right now, but Laura made uh, cash demands that I thought were insane and, and they are what a lot. What do you lot. mean? Like, like, 
reserves. Money you want to have on hand? Yeah, so, so oh, okay. the, the requirements for me to quit my job, and it was kind of like an escalating thing, almost to make it like impossible for me to quit my job. But at, <laughs> at the end result is like we did it. I quit my job, and now uh, we're like really secure, so we mm. can go back in and start doing stuff. But you know, I don't have to worry like if July sucks for the internet because everyone's on vacation. Yeah, like, like we're good. Gotcha. Cool. Well, those are our ten commandments. Follow them into real estate investing success mm. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you think we put a nail in that coffin? I think we did. Sweet. Um, If you're wondering where to go from here, our show notes will have extra detail and recap, so definitely check those out, listenmoneymatters.com slash show. You can also start doing analysis on any sort of real estate properties that you have your eye on over at simplewealth.co. That is where Andrew's gigantic monster of a um, real estate analysis tool lives. It's a monster in the back end, though. Mm. It's pretty easy to use in the... Yeah. If I can use it on the front end, then it's not too much of a monster there. <laughs> but as somebody who has coded things before, I am very impressed with all the things that it can do. Yes. And uh, is this episode going out before the BRRR episode or not? This is before. This is before. Okay, is the so first. for those of you paying attention, we're going to have an episode on something called BRRR very soon, and it's a pretty cool uh, potential technique that you can do depending on the kind of deals you're looking at, and we'll have some functionality built into the tool very soon for evaluating that as well. So check it out, simplewealth.co. There's a 14-day free trial if you sign up, so no risk. You can just give it a try. And uh, also, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. We'll find lots of other tools for any kind of personal finance uh, related things like budgeting tools, investment tools, all sorts of cool stuff. So definitely check that out. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Later, man. Later, dude. Tell your friends about this show. 